everybody, welcome back to Challenge Call with Max and Avery. I'm your host, Max. And I am Avery. How are you guys? All right. How's your spring break? You do anything fun? Oh, I slept. Um, no, not much, man. I got a desk put together. I, um, yeah, has spent all day in a hospital yesterday, so that was fun. But uh, uh, everything's looking up on that end, so... But other than that, spring break was non-exciting. What about you? It was a pretty good break. I, I enjoyed my time out in Colorado. Uh, I got I did the exact opposite. I got very little sleep all break. I was kind of up and go, go, go constantly. Last night I was out with our friend Nick, so that was good seeing him. And back to work tomorrow, unfortunately. But what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Uh I am already dreading it because I was supposed to do a couple of thing, assignments throughout spring break and I didn't do any of it. Uh, and so yesterday um, I was doing it on my laptop um, and I got to do a couple more today, unfortunately. But yeah, I was like, God, why didn't I not do a week's worth of homework? Just like right. spread out. So it was so easy. Oh, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. But we'll get into our uh, bear segment here. We're going to talk some of the free agency moves that happened. We're not going to go through all of them. We're going to save some of the smaller ones or less important ones to us for later on in our kind of dead period of sports. But we're going to hit on some of the big ones right now. So first one, and probably the biggest, at least money-wise, is uh, Tremaine Edmonds from the Bills. He's a linebacker. Signed him for a four-year deal for $72 million. That is wild. That is so much money. Yeah, but not as much as what Roquan Smith wanted. Um, So Tremaine Edmonds, he's an off-ball middle linebacker, so he is, you know, Roquan Smith's position. We were wondering what we were going to get for Roquan, right? Like in replacement? Well, here he is. Um, So 72 mil compared to uh, Roquan's 100. 105 mil I'll take but this guy is a stud man like with the bills like he uh last year he had 66 tackles one sack and one interception he only played 15 games yeah that's not bad I'm excited for it he was the 16th overall pick in 2018 uh he's been to two pro bowls since then I I think he'll be great I think he'll really help us out and like you said, being just cheaper than Roquan wanted. Because along with him, we actually got another linebacker from the Eagles, TJ Edwards, uh, for three years and $19.5 million. So those two guys together right there is about what Roquan wanted individually. So we actually are able to get a couple linebackers, not just one. Yeah, and you know our linebacker linebackering core is starting to look a lot better now with T.J. Edwards signing. Um, last year with the Eagles, he had ninety nine sack or ninety nine sacks. Yeah, no, uh, ninety nine tackles and two sacks. Um, he had ninety nine sacks. That'd be insane for nineteen million. Oh man, what a steal! But that'd be uh, more than some teams have all season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and the cool thing about uh, T.J. Edwards is he's a Chicago guy. Uh, he grew up in Chicago, 
And uh, the even better thing is he played at the University of Wisconsin with our other uh, outside linebacker, Jack Sanborn. And so now there's some chemistry there with TJ Edwards and Jack Sanborn because Jack Sanborn, he did step up and rope one. I don't think he's like that middle linebacker type. I think you bump him outside, he's a better uh, outside linebacker, um, whether he's uh, playing on the right side or the left side. But uh, TJ Edwards, Jack Sanborn, and uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I think that's a good like step up for us. And a lot cheaper. Uh, And a lot cheaper. A lot, a lot cheaper, and still, you know, I Roquan's great and everything, but these are some solid guys too. You know, for the same money, like these are some solid guys. Like uh, T.J. Edwards, you know, played in the Super Bowl this year. Mm -hmm. Like that—that's a Super Bowl level team right there. We all know how good the Bills are as well. And we've seen how Jack Sanborn's performed so far last year. So I'm excited. I think, I think our defense is still, is still going to hold true. I know we're kind of focusing on the offense a lot and trying to build up some scoring power, but it's nice to see that the defense isn't being completely neglected as we do that as well. Um, For sure. But uh, the one other thing I wanted to mention about these two guys, they're both 24 and 26 years old. Roquan was 28. Yep. So, I mean, and Jack Sanborn's 23. So, like, we just got extremely younger. And these guys have been proven so much, like, in their short four, three, four year careers in the NFL. Like, Tremaine Edmonds been to two Pro Bowls already, and he's 24 years old. That's insane to me. Yeah, definitely. Having the <clears throat> age difference there is huge as well. Not paying someone a ton of money who's we don't necessarily know how much longer they're going to last <clears throat> in that position. It is kind of a rough position. It's one of the ones that's harder on your body and stuff. And so having some young guys who are actually going to be able to stick around and stay with the program as it builds up to a potential Super Bowl caliber team, that's going to be huge. Um, Just talk about one more defensive signing that we have, too. We're signing Demarcus Walker, defensive end, um, for a three-year deal, $21 million. Um, He was a second-round pick in 2017 by the Broncos. He had a calf injury in 2020, signed with the Texans in 2021. He was on their injury reserve until December, then he signed with the Titans. So he's a little less proven in my head. He's been around a little longer, like I said, 2017 draftee, but I don't know. It seems like he's got a bit of a background in injury, so that's that's a little nerve-wracking on from my behalf. For sure. I... There's a reason that I don't pair this up. I don't think this is a good signing. Um, Demarcus Walker, yeah, he's been in the NFL for going on seven years now. And he hasn't had more than four and a half sacks in a season. Uh, Can't stay healthy like you mentioned. I mean, other than that, like in 23 solo tackles, nine assists last year, and – Oh, I guess last year, seven sacks. So that was the highest that he had since he came into the league. So, like, for me, 
this signing for 21 mil, that's a lot of money. And yeah. I feel like the one position that Ryan Poles has been swinging and missing on is that defensive end spot. Ever since we traded Khalil Mack away, we've been swinging and we've been missing at that defensive end spot because, like, we brought in uh, Alquan and Muhammad to replace Khalil Mack. He didn't pan out. We brought in Demarcus Walker to replace Alquan and Muhammad. Let's see what happens. But I don't like it. I don't like yeah. this. I I, I think the, we had it. Go ahead. The linebackers, I'm all about. I, I love it. I think it'll be great. I love just – looking at their repertoire, you know, first round pick, second round pick, um, Super Bowl runner up, pro bowlers. But Demarcus Walker, I'm just kind of like, who is this guy? He's He's been, it's typically not a good sign in my head when you have a guy that hops around different teams. Like we're signing a guy that has been with three teams in seven years. Like that's not exactly a, uh, telltale sign of success you know so yeah i think this one is definitely a little bit more of a questionable move by polls maybe we just need to go back to the three four get rid of the dns let's just go to linebackers come on yeah well then uh that means we gotta get new linebackers in (laughs) at three four but uh i agree i liked us running the three four under Vic Vangio. uh i thought it was a great um defense and we were always up there um but no like you go back to demarcus walker like i just hopefully he can pan out i don't know uh three years 21 million is a lot for a journeyman defensive end especially a 28 year old journeyman defensive end i don't like that like you said he did record his highest amount of sacks last year so i mean Maybe he's trending up. Maybe uh, maybe we're catching him at a good time. Maybe he's in his upswing or something. I don't know. But at 28, then that upswing is only going to be good for two years, which I hey. why that's also why they offered him a three-year contract. If he's trash yeah. uh, his third year or going into his third year, cut him. Because by the time he's gone, he's going to be 31 years old. Yeah. And that, at that point, I feel like time to move on on that but I feel like he's definitely more of just kind of little little bit veteran type guy just kind of have a body in that DN position in that DN room um, well, we'll see who else we potentially get I don't know who all are maybe we'll draft a solid D end <laughs> or well, and that's, that's kind of what I've been thinking too is like uh we're gonna have to focus on the draft like, we're going to have to focus, hopefully, our first-round pick on a defensive end because that is, like, our biggest weakness. Like, that is, like, now that we got DJ Moore, receiver isn't our biggest weakness. I would say our biggest weakness and the and TJ Edwards and um, Jack Sanborn and all those guys, I don't think that's, like, the biggest weakness anymore. I think it's defensive end, and I think it's offensive line. D-line, D-line in general, D-line and a little bit of O-line too. Just we, we need linemen now because like you said, like we've always had the secondary. We've got um, Gordon and uh, Jalen Brisker, Jaquan Brisker, yep. uh, Jalen Johnson. We got solid secondary. We've always had them, love them. Our linebackers just improved. 
we're losing Montgomery at running back, but we still have Herbert and Justin Fields is, you know, a running back as well. So we're fine there. We have DJ Moore. We've got Chase Claypool. We've got Darnell Mooney. I, I totally agree. I think we need to focus on just line offensive and defensively. Just get our line up to par with other teams. For sure. Um, you mentioned David Montgomery and leaving, and this is kind of the only one I want to talk about with leaving. How do you feel about that? Like, uh, I, it, I have a hard time, like, especially him going in conference. I don't know if it makes much of a difference at all. He's going to the Lions, but just I, I don't like to lose him. I, I hate losing anybody that is successful on the Bears. Like Roquan, super sad when he left. Mac, I was really sad when he left. I, I feel the same way about Montgomery. I'm, I'm disappointed that he's going to be gone, especially being in, from Iowa State. I'm kind of like, oh well, the Bears just lost a little bit of, little bit of Iowa connection with that move. But, I mean, Khalil Herbert's still pretty good. You know, he, that, like they've always been a good one-two punch. I just. I, I really liked Montgomery. That was almost, I think, the first kind of step in the Bears um, building an offense a little bit is he was kind of that very first initial piece that we got that was like, hey, like we, we got a pretty solid running back now. Like we can run the ball a little bit and sad to see him go. Yeah, um, I hate that he's going to Detroit, um, but – it wasn't his, like, yeah, it's his decision at the end of the day, but it wasn't his decision. Uh, Ryan Poles didn't want to resign him. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Ryan Poles didn't want to resign him. But when you're asking two years, $18 million, it's $9 million a year for a running back, and you were hurt last year. I understand that. And you got a competent backup in Khalil Herbert. The only bad thing with Khalil Herbert, we saw him last year when it was his time to run the show when David wasn't in, he struggled. And he didn't struggle, struggle, but he struggled because like you would see, he would average about a hundred yards a game when they were exchanging one, two, one, two, Khalil Herbert. And that's when we're like, oh, well, we love Khalil Herbert. This is awesome. And is Khalil Herbert the number one guy? Well, when David got hurt for that five, six week stretch, um, Khalil Herbert uh, like fell off and he didn't fall off hard, but he fell off because he was the guy. Well, now Khalil Herbert's got to get ready to be the guy. For sure. And maybe, maybe he'll do better this time. Maybe he's more prepared or something, but I, I agree. I like having that one-two punch, especially as much as um, running backs get beat up. It's it's kind of the exact opposite of your middle linebacker. You know, like your running backs are the position that you kind of get beat to shit all game. And so, you know, you need at least a couple guys that can help split those carries up. So hopefully we'll have another good guy in that can help him get some rest and help them have the, a little bit more of a one-two punch. Even if we do lose a little bit going down to the second string, at least Herbert will get some rest. And I mean, running backs are kind of a dime in a dozen anymore. It, it's, it's one of those positions that's like, it doesn't take a lot to be successful as a running back. And so they're not, as like high value commodities anymore, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, how would you feel about Ezekiel Elliott 
being a Chicago Bear. No. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> I don't I don't need Zeke. Yes, Zeke was released from the Cowboys. He's a free agent. Um Zeke's done with the NFL. I guarantee it. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> I don't think he's done with the NFL. I think a team will give him another shot. Um but and I think that team is going to be Chicago unfortunately. I don't want it to be Chicago, but I think it could be Chicago. Uh, but I also th- I also see Austin Eckler because uh, from the Chargers. I mean, they were talking about trades, um, and he requested a trade. And I think Chicago could be a great lining up spot for Austin Eckler, and that would, I would be love Eckler. yeah, that would be the perfect complementary to Khalil Herbert because Khalil Herbert's that ground and pound type of guy. Austin Eckler's that right out right out of the backfield change of pace type of guy i love that For real. that would he's be perfect. also austin eckler is a huge pass catcher too like he's yes. a pass catching back and that's you know uh you need that type of um what am i thinking of being that two-dimensional kind of back you know ground and pound pass catching he, yeah i would love austin eckler he's a super awesome back i think that'd be a great choice um Switching gears a little bit, we will get into, we also signed a couple of offensive free agents. First one being Nate Davis, an offensive guard, signed him to a three-year deal for $30 million. Um, You know, the linemen, it's kind of hard for me to, unless they're really, really um, obviously good and accredited, it's hard to kind of judge how they are successful eyes. I, you don't hear lineman's name as much or as often or anything, but I mean, he was a third round pick by the Titans in 2019. He uh, was inactive the first three games, but he played the rest of the 12 after that. So, or started 12 after that. And I don't know. I think he's a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. Like we mentioned earlier, we need an offensive line. Uh, Three-year, $30 million, That's kind of the going pre- uh, price for an average offensive lineman. Um, so, uh, and he helps out at a guard position that we truly, truly need. Because he's a true guard. He's not going to be able to play tackle. He's not going to be able to play center. He is a true guard. And I'm okay with that because, like, now you can bounce Cody Whitehair back to center, and then you can have uh, Nate Davis on one side. We're going to draft another lineman. But then you got, um, um, sorry, Braxton uh, Jones on the other side, and then you got Tevin Jenkins as the other guard. We just need to get that right tackle or that left tackle. Um, And, you know, that's another position we could, you know, go after with our first-round pick. But uh, anyways, with that being said, I think um, the huge thing with Nate Davis is that he's only 26 years old. With him only being 26 years old, I think that is ideal and perfect throughout. Uh, That's going to help our offensive line be better. Yeah, definitely. Once again, just having a young team, I think that is super crucial for making that kind of Super Bowl run in three to four years, maybe. If you got a bunch of young guys all working together that are all going to be around for the next three to four years, just building and growing with each other, that is huge for success later on. So 
I, I love paying it down right now, just going out, getting a bunch of young guys to build up the team. And like I said, I, I'm really, really ambitious. I, I think we'll be maybe not Super Bowl bound, but in playoff contention in two, three years at least. I agree. I think two, three years, we're, that's going to put us at a good spot. I thought for a second you were going to say next year, and I'm like, don't the brakes. <laughs> I don't think we'll, we're there next year. I do think we jump from the worst team in the league to a middle of the pack, six and six and ten or six and eleven, seven and ten type of team. The only I, reason the only reason I don't say next year is because we Nate Davis, Demarcus Walker, T.J. Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds—they just got here. You know, like they need a year to kind of like they need to all get with each other and mesh and start start developing as a group. That's that's the only reason I don't say next year. Next year is going to be a very educational, like coming together as a team kind of year. For sure. And, you know, the connection with DJ Moore and Justin uh, Fields. And just to see, you know, how Justin Fields progresses one more year. Because this is his make or break year. I, I guarantee this is his make or break year. If... Uh, because Ryan Poles and uh, Matt Eberflus, they didn't draft Justin Fields. They've said all the right things about Justin Fields, but they never drafted Justin Fields. If we have a top five pick, which we might because we have two next year, the Bears move on if Justin Fields doesn't perform this year. And I made peace with it. I feel like a lot of Chicago Bears fans have made peace with it. But I like Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields, and I hope he's successful. Definitely. I, I think it'll be a make. I think now that he has DJ Moore and it, even Nate Davis and maybe we'll draft Peter Skornsky or something with a good line. I think those pieces are going to help him a ton. I think he will make it. But like you said, at the end of the day, if he ends up not performing still or if he still is falling short of what we kind of need him to do, then I this is a business, you know, and if he's not – if he's not performing, then I it's time to move on from him. Kind of like Turbisky, you know, just wasn't performing. You love the guy, but, you know, how long can you hold on to a guy that just isn't getting the job done for you? It's crazy. Which one, at that moment, which one do you love more right now, Justin Fields or Mitch Trubisky? I love Fields more because I think the potential with Fields is just so much higher I think Fields has arguably had more success than Trubisky in certain aspects. I, I mean, just you look at Fields' powerful runs, and you're like he's had a 50-plus yard run in like half of the games that we've had. Is so like I, I think there's just a lot of potential with Justin Fields. I think it was a lot more exciting when he joined the team. It was a very, very big kind of thing. So. I, I think I'm a little, and I don't know if that's just the time relevancy, you know, Justin Fields is kind of current, fresh on the brain. Trubisky's a little bit in the past, but I think I definitely would have to say I love Fields a little more. For sure. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I think that's like, he's been, it's just that exciting factor. 
Yeah. Just like every time he's on the field, it's exciting. And I also think that he is uh, really incredible because, like, I think he's got so much potential to be a lot better. And, and I know you mentioned, like, certain aspects, and you're right. But, I mean, Mitch did have two playoff appearances. Um, but the thing with those playoff appearances is, one, we limped in because it was the COVID year. Uh and we limped in as an eight and eight team, and then the second one it was the double blink, and we had the best defense in the league at that point. So if- and and that's why I said in some aspects because technically Mitch did win more games, you know, like <clears throat> Mitch true. did have more success actual game winning wise. Not to say the offense was necessarily better or anything, because like you said, we had a top notch defense then, but. That's why I had to say in aspects. <laughs> For sure. But speaking of that offense a little bit too, um, the last signing we'll talk about today, we've got tight end Robert Tung- Tungian from Green Bay coming in. Uh, one-year deal, $3.75 million. Uh, we're keeping Cole Komet. You said uh, Eberflus likes his two, two tight end system. Yeah, Luke Getze, uh, our OC. Yeah, he uh, he really likes his. Yeah. (laughs) So he Uh, should know. He should know Robert Tungian well. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's perfect too because, like, he knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. And I think that's why he brought him in. And, you know, I'm okay with this signing. Usually, like, former Packers don't really work out for us. Who was the guy last year? I forgot. Oh, yeah, no, I guess St. Brown. Uh, he worked out okay. I mean, he was, he was fine. Um, but, uh, Robert Tunyon, I really hope he does well. I mean, one year, 3.75, that's a cheap deal for a tight end. He'll be a rotational guy for a Cole commit. I mean, and the best thing about it, Robert Tunyon's been in the league 11 years. Guess what? Mentor, 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 Cole Komet. He's young. Cole Komet's only 23. He's only been in the league two years. Grab on to Cole Komet, and hopefully Cole Komet grabs onto you. And mentor, because Robert Tunyon, you've done big things in the NFL. Definitely. This this definitely feels like one of those kind of, hey, we're bringing you in for one year. You're going to train up our guy, (laughs) but you're going to mentor him, and we're going to move you almost like – we intended with the Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, like, hey, we've got Justin Fields here. Andy Dalton, come on over. Stay here for a year. Mentor Justin Fields. Um, that didn't go exactly as planned, but <laughs> hopefully uh, with this one, Robert Tuggin, hopefully Komet can turn into something. Because Komet's a good end, you know? He hasn't shown a ton so far, but I think his potential is high. Like, he he could be good. He just needs a little, little extra push. <laughs> I just think he it's confidence issues with Robert yeah. or not Robert Tanya uh, Cole Komet. I think it's confidence issues because I think he gets down on himself. Like we've seen a couple of plays last year that like just are phenomenal at a tight end position. Come on, man! Like and that's where that's where that's where a mentor can help the most too. Is like. Hey, you don't necessarily need any, you know, like speed training, skill training, like knowledge. Like you're good with everything. Build your confidence up. That's where a mentor can honestly have the most 
improvement. It's like, hey, I've been around 11 years. Here's how it is. You're great. Just go be great. For sure. Yeah, uh, love that signing. Really love that signing. I think that is one of my favorite signings so far, especially for how cheap it is. Like, And he's an all-pro tight end, so... I mean, I'm a big tight end guy, so yeah, I I really enjoy that signing as well. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we will move on from our uh, football talk now. We'll get you guys more in later weeks here as, as we move on. But time to get into some March Madness, and truly has it been mad. Um, first of all, we'll go through our Iowa teams that made the tournament. There were three of them, Iowa, Iowa State, and Drake. Iowa played Auburn. And uh, they lost 83 to 75. That was, um, man, that was disappointing, huh? Yeah. Um, the thing is, we could not hang with Auburn's guards. Auburn's guards were too quick. They were really quick. They, I, I don't know. We couldn't keep up. And we just, once again, looked ugly out there. I don't know. I just, I hate that our shots don't sink sometimes, you know, when you're putting up shots and just whatever. And I, it's hard because I know it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, if you're a shooter, you got to shoot. And it's like Chris Murray. Hey, you're not hot right now, but keep shooting. You'll make them, you'll get hot, whatever. But there are some times when I just, I see guys putting up threes and I'm like, damn it, you have not made – we are 0 for 10 right now. Stop fucking shooting threes, you know? Like, like I understand it's basketball. When you're a shooter, you're supposed to shoot. That's, you know, like eventually they'll start falling, supposedly. But it's just – it's a little frustrating sometimes to see shot after shot bounce off the rim or just, like, graze the backboard and not fall, you know? For sure. I well, and like what you mentioned when Sanford came in and he started shooting, and like he was cold at that point. I mean, he did uh, warm up because he's the one that brought it back within four. I think it was at one point. Yeah, yeah I think uh, because he hit back to back threes. Um, but I remember Peyton Sanford coming in, and he's like, "I'm just gonna start shooting," and. The first, like, four didn't go in, and I'm like, what are we doing, guys? And then he started hitting, 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 and I was like – and that's similar with Chris Murray, too. I mean, he did – he was cold a lot of the game, and I hate to say that, but he was cold a lot of the game. But he did have that nice little stretch where he got hot. I think it's another consistency issue thing. I think that's what it is. It it definitely is, and that's – so Avery and I both picked Iowa to move on in our brackets. Um, reason being was, yeah, I know they're inconsistent. I was hoping we'd at least be on a high swing um, or have a good performance on Auburn. Uh, we could shit it away on Houston. That's fine. Whatever. They're the one seed. But I was hoping we'd at least be in our in our upswing of inconsistency. But unfortunately, that was not the case. And we lost. So did Iowa State, which is actually <laughs> a bigger upset. Iowa State was number six uh, versus number eleven Pittsburgh, and they lost fifty-nine to forty-one. Yeah, 41. 
<laughs> what a terrible performance. How did they win the Big 12? That's my question. How did they win the Big 12? I, I don't think the men's team won the Big 12. Oh, the women's won the Big 12, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just a really terrible uh, performance all around by Iowa State. Uh, Jaron Holmes led the game with 13 points, but um, – I don't understand. Like, Iowa State, like, I thought they would come in a little hot and, like, okay, here we go. Um, they Pittsburgh was just the better team out there. I I will say um, I didn't have Iowa State going very far um, in my bracket. I think I actually had them losing round to 32. Uh, I forget to who exactly, but – it came down to, you know, when we were looking at the points per game and all that comparison, Iowa State had one of the lowest points per game that I had seen of any team that we were comparing. And that's what really did it in for me. And it shows right here. It just absolutely shows right here. They scored 41 points. I'm pretty sure um, that is the lowest a team has scored so far in March Madness this year. And th- that's exactly what I was fearful of. I'll, I'll give my, or I'll give, yeah, I fuck it. I'll give myself the credit of saying um, the team that they were supposed to play Pittsburgh was a play in game. I had chosen, I was, or I had made my bracket before the play in games were played. So I didn't actually know who Iowa state was going to play. So I just kind of moved them on right away. Anyway, I like to think that maybe if I would have seen Pittsburgh there against them, then maybe I would have changed my mind and had them losing earlier. But Wouldn't that be nice if we would have known? Um, that's one thing I do not like about picking March Madness like a couple of days prior is because those first four playing games, they don't happen until the night before. And I really hate not knowing what team's going to match up. Usually it is the 16 seed, so it doesn't matter as much or you would think it doesn't you would think <laughs> um but yeah so i like that's the like the one part that i hate about it but it's march madness still and it's been chaotic and another game that we mentioned was drake number 12 drake versus uh, number five miami and go ahead yep we this was the one we wanted to be an upset and was not an upset. <laughs> uh, Drake lost 63 to 56. Um, they played well. They they hung in there. They were doing good. They they were the only Iowa team that actually looked like they deserved to be there competing in the March Madness tournament. For sure. Um, they were the best Iowa team on the in the round of 64. I guarantee they were the best. Uh, and the cool thing with them is like they were leading 56-53 going into three minutes left of the game. And even if like I'm looking at the tracker with 12 seconds left, it was only 56-59. to And so like it's not like that score doesn't represent what that game oh, was. No. We've talked about that before. Sometimes the score by the end of the game gets inflated because you get into those situations of, hey, we're down two with 30 seconds left. So what do we do the minute the other team touches the ball? Foul. And then you just kind of get that uh, 
free throw inflation going on. So, no, yeah, Drake definitely played a very, very close game. That is not indicative of this final score, but unfortunately, still just couldn't manage to pull it out on top. Um, it's sad, but I did pick Miami, so I'm, you know, I'm bittersweet on it. I I did get a pick right, but at the same time, it would have been cool to see Drake continuing on. <laughs> For sure. Um, I'm kind of disappointed on the way Tucker DeVries played in this game. Um, he's the coach's son, um, and he only scored three points and had eight rebounds to assist, and he played 35 minutes. And so being Missouri Valley Player of the Year, like you would expect a lot more, especially coming into the tournament from Hunter DeVries or Tucker DeVries. I said that last time. It's Tucker DeVries. Um, but that was the tale of the kind of the game because uh, Miami's ACC player of the year, um, Isaiah Wong, he had a rough game also. Like he just didn't really show up. And he scored six points. He scored six points, three assists, and one block also. So both players of the year uh, for the respectful conferences just didn't show up. Hey, that at least that's an even game. <laughs> it is, it is yeah. an even, even game. But, yeah, it, it, I just thought that was kind of crazy that neither of the two stars kind of showed up for their team. But, um, I mean, it, it's been the same story with, all our other Iowa teams as well, too. You know, I mean, look at Chris Murray. He didn't have the best game. Look at, I don't know who Iowa State's greatest player is. I, I always like watching Koontz, but, you know, Koontz, eh. I didn't yeah. watch the first half of that game, so I guess it's hard for me to say. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, getting away from our Iowa teams a little bit, uh, we're going to speak some upsets. Uh We'll go in the order of smallest upset to biggest as far as seeding goes. Uh, so, first upset that we had, 7, Texas A&M, 10, Penn State. Penn State won 76-59. to 59. Um, We did not have them moving on, or at least I didn't. I forget. Did you, did you pick Penn State past round of 64? No. Yeah, so... Did, didn't call that one. That one was a little, a uh, little surprising. I, I wish I would have, wish I would have had a little more Big Ten biased in that pick. Like, hey, nah, they, they can get past that. But you know, it's madness. It's March Madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Penn State just got hot at the right time. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's where it all kind of comes down to. Is like, that's the reason Penn State is there. They kind of just got hot at the right time, and uh, that was a good upset, but no. yeah. Uh, next one, uh, we already mentioned it, 6 Iowa State, 11 Pittsburgh, 59-40. to 40. Just such an awful offensive performance. I, I'm sorry. I can't get over the 41 points. Every team I've ever seen in March Madness has scored at least 50 points. Like, that's just it, – it is, it is just sad. Um but glossing over that a little bit, we've got number four, Virginia, versus number 13, Furman. Furman won 68-67. to 67. Super, super last-second shot. Um, that's one of those that's almost a little more questionable. You know, I, like, I love a good upset. I love 
you know, chaos a little bit happening, but ah, sometimes when it's, when it's moments like that, when it's just like a last minute hooked up three that happens to hit, it's kind of like, okay, did, did Furman necessarily deserve to win that one? <laughs> For sure. I, I agree. Um, that was a hell of a shot at the end of the game though. For sure. Um, and a hell of a steal. Like, I mean, Furman, they kind of looked like they belonged. Um, of course we saw what happened in the round of 32 with Furman. Um, meeting their maker and uh, another upset. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that was kind of just a fluky game. Um, and I just – if you play that game eight, uh, nine out of ten times, Virginia wins nine out of ten times. Yeah. I think that's the, I think that's the ideal that I'm trying to get at. I mean – If you but, play that game 25 times, I think Virginia wins 24 times. <laughs> right. But hey, the history of March Madness, there's already there's always chaos. And that wasn't even the biggest upset. No, but um speaking going on to a team that was not a fluke win, number two Arizona versus number fifteen Princeton. Princeton won fifty-nine to fifty-five. And the reason I say not a fluke win is because Princeton also upset number seven Missouri yesterday. And won seventy eight to sixty three. Princeton is in the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> this is the first time ever that the Princeton Tigers are in the Sweet Sixteen, by the way, which is nuts. Um, but the cool thing with the Princeton Tigers is, yeah, you know, like fifty nine fifty five. It's a close game against Arizona. You don't know if it's like true. You don't yeah. know. You don't know if it's like okay. It's like Furman. Um, because, like, if we go back to Furman, they got demolished by San Diego State, 75 to 52. Um, but and then Princeton's like, don't worry, we're the real Tigers. Um, and Missouri isn't the Tigers. Um, but they demolished. It was not even close. It was a demolishing in round of 32 by a 15 seed. It's, yeah. it's incredible to me. And now. I, now they're going to go on to face either Creighton or Baylor. Um, I have them facing Baylor. I know you have them facing Creighton, so we'll see how that goes today. But uh, do you think Princeton could pull it off again? You think they got one more in them? If it's Creighton, I hope not. But if it's uh, Baylor, yeah, I think they can. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really hope not. But uh, I think that would be – insane if they pull it off i also want to mention new jersey have you meant have you seen heard about this with new jersey no what's go oh all the teams in new jersey that are upsetting teams right now yes yeah okay (laughs) last two years st peter's and i'm gonna give away our number one but that will just um st peter's new jersey 15th seed made it all the way to the elite eight this year princeton New Jersey, 15th seed, going to the Sweet 16. And our darling itself, number one, Purdue, lost to Fairleigh Dickinson, the 16th seed of the tournament. What in the world is going on? And where are they from? New Jersey. Once again, I would like to point out that we picked Purdue off of a play-in game. 
So maybe we <laughs> no. <laughs> so I was going back into our. Uh, I was listening to our podcast from Thursday, and mm-hmm. I did mention that you know I watched Fairleigh Dickinson's playing game, and man, can they shoot from the three? And I would not be surprised if this was a close game. And I was shook that I actually predicted a little bit of that. So I'm pretty proud of myself on that. I can say, you know, my heart was with Fairleigh Dickinson, but I had to go with Purdue. But Fairleigh Dickinson, man. Absolutely wild. Um, They out-rebounded Purdue. They are the shortest team in the country. I know you said uh, six foot, two and a half inches is their average height. They had 33 rebounds against Purdue, who was 6'9 on average, the tallest team in the country, only had 29 rebounds. That's insane. That That is like effort. That is effort rebounding right there. For sure. I This game was just incredible uh, to me. I loved every little bit of it. FDU is just like one of those fun teams to watch that you're like, oh my God. And they're all short and they're all running around. And it's like, you know, this is basketball. I love, I love basketball like that. I love seeing underdog matchups. And I like seeing like a smaller size guy be able to take on a bigger size guy. Sure. It's one of those it's one of those things where it's like you're you're talking that short, quick speed running around the like bigger opponent that's just like lagging behind. That that's what I love about some of the shorter guys in basketball. It's like their quickness, their speed that they can just, you know, whip around a screen and throw up a three before the guy can even get a step in their direction to try and block it. That's I love seeing that just quick movement and speed around the court. For sure, yeah. And the other thing with this team is uh, just uh, Tobin Anderson, their head coach, uh, Iowa guy, um, actually didn't know anything about Tobin Anderson before that. Um, He actually uh, spent a couple of years under his dad at Clarkson College. And so uh, small D3 shout out there. Um, But yeah, I just think that's cool, you know, seeing another Iowa guy, like, perform and do well. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Who, Fairleigh Dickinson is now going to play? They will play Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic. <clears throat> okay. What what seed are they? Where is this? Number nine. Number nine. Okay. Do they move on again? Do you think they win another? <sighs> You know, in the sakes, uh, sake of St. Peter's, I think they win again. I think I think Princeton is the St. Peter's of uh, of this year, though. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's going to be another close FAU game. I also think Princeton has a harder path, a uh, little yeah, bit. Definitely. They definitely, well, have def- path. definitely because. <clears throat> along with that theory you think Purdue should have the easiest path because they're a number one seed right? right so if you're a 16 upsetting a number one in theory yeah you should have a the easiest path in your uh what do you call it conference side of the bracket whatever right. <laughs> yeah the weird thing too is like FAU man like they did not they played good against Memphis but they didn't play great against Memphis and so, like, that's why I'm, like, questioning, does Fairleigh Dickinson get to the Sweet 16? 
They might. I I think I think I have FAU. I do because I have Purdue moving on. I have FAU losing um in the round of thirty two. So Fairleigh Dickinson is the one that does it. Fuck it, Fairleigh Dickinson is the one that does it. Purdue's not going on anyway. And Um, then we would run into Tennessee. Whoo! Yeah. Speaking of Tennessee, I watched them play Duke yesterday. And I absolutely loved it. There, I know I was talking about their defense and everything, um, just based off their opponents' points per game. I actually got to witness a full game of their defense now, and oh my god, it is crazy. They are just defensively stout. It is wild how many shots they block, how many disruptions they cause, how many steals they get, how many fouls they get. Because obviously, you know, if you're playing intense high-level defense like that, you're going to get a few fouls. But it was just absolutely insane to watch how they beat up Duke. And I mean literally beat up, put like three players on the ground, cut a guy's cheek open. Like they literally beat up to Duke. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I haven't watched the Tennessee game yet. I kind of wish I would have watched it. Um, watch, watch some highlights or something. It, it is wild just how physical and intense that game was. For sure. Jeez. Um, <laughs> um, I hope they. Um, I hope Tennessee keeps going, but I really hope Fairleigh Dickinson uh, meets Tennessee. Actually, I don't because I feel like Fairleigh Dickinson is so small that if they face Tennessee's defense, it is going to be a bad day. Somebody's going to die. Someone's going to die. Because, like Purdue's big, right? But they're not physical. Physical. No. Zach Eady's just tall. Like, yeah. and yeah, that's it. Um, but I would argue that Purdue is actually not a very physical team at all. Oh, also, I, I forgot to mention. I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Fairly Dickinson. So I was talking about uh, Toby uh, Tobin Anderson, right? Yep. And their head coach. Uh, they have three starting players on their team. So Tobin Anderson coached at a small D two St. Thomas in New York. Uh, before he got the job with Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, their top three scorers, I'm trying to pull up their names right now. Sorry. Um, no. Their top three scorers, um, I remember you telling me something about this. Yeah, uh, their top three scorers uh, are all D, uh, D2 transfers. Ah, yes. Yeah, they're all D2 transfers from... Um, from his old college in uh, St. Thomas, which is awesome to me. I love that, that he brought some D2 of his guys in and been like, let's go play D1 ball. And this team won four games last year, four games last year, and they won 20 games. Going into the uh, tournament play, they were only 15 and 15. That's crazy to me. They didn't, And they didn't even win their conference. They didn't even win the Northeast Conference. Uh, the only reason they got the bid for March Madness is because Merrimick, the team they lost to, is in that transition period of going from a D2 school to a D1, and they are not eligible to play uh, tournament games. <laughs> and so that's why uh, they had no business beating the number one seed Purdue. That's why I am so obsessed with this game right now. It's just incredible to watch, incredible to see. I hope they keep their trend alive and they keep it going. 
Definitely. And we forgot to mention, this is um, only the second win by a 16th seed team against a one seed out of almost 350 games. Two, it's now officially two and 158. Two and 158. Okay. Two out of 158. That is insane. That's just insane. I insane. But anyways, these guys um, that uh, transferred in is uh, Dimitri Roberts. Um, he is a guard for him. Sixteen and a half points, three rebounds for the year, four and a half assists. Pretty solid year, you know, for making a transfer in. And then uh, they also had uh, the star of the show, Sean Moore. He only averaged 6.3 points per game uh, going on through the year. And during uh, the game against Purdue, he went off for 19 points, leading scorer. And that's what I love about basketball. Basketball is a lot more fluid in just you can play at different levels and you can find some level of success at multiple different levels. Um, it's a lot different than football where football it's like if you are a small D3 kind of guy, if you try to go up against a big D1 kind of guy, you're going to get hurt. Like that's like that is not a matchup you are ever going to, you know, even be able to hold your own ground with. But basketball, basketball is kind of open. You can shoot around, kind of fuck around and, you know, you can make some things happen. And so I love that for those D2 guys kind of moving up and finding D1 success. Cause I really do think the level in basketball is just easier to play at different levels. And a lot of it comes down to the program too. Maybe their program at the division two, just they don't have the same resources. They don't have that the same kind of access to facilities, athletic training, nutrition, all of that moving up to the D one level. Now you get handed all of that. That could be the sole factor alone that changes you know, them being successful D2 athletes, which it sounds like they even weren't, they only won four games, to successful D1 athletes. Is it's just those extra resources you get at that higher level. Athletically, nothing's changed about you. It's just those little things that make a huge difference. And that's one of the things in basketball that just kind of, basketball is weird. You can just play around and, you know, find out. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, but yeah. Um, uh, speaking, I will say, moving on, uh, speaking of another, or speaking of number one seed upsets, this upset occurred in the round of 32, but Arkansas, number eight, beat number one Kansas, last year's champs, 72 to 71. How did this happen? I, you know, it's an early exit by Kansas, so... They just didn't show up. I uh, I watched a little bit of this game. They just didn't show up. And I think Arkansas was just the better team at this point. Um, it's this- hard. SEC versus Big uh, Big 12 type of game. You never know what that crossover is going to look like. This is one of those games um, that I kind of, when I'm watching, I'm not worried about from the standpoint of this was a very close game the whole time. And I know we've gotten into this a little bit with um, like, oh, so-and-so is up 10. There's 11 minutes left in the second. Like, yeah, okay, there's 11 minutes left in the second. I don't care. 
this is one of those games where I am a big believer of the theory that Kansas is number one for a reason. They're number one because they know how to finish. When they come down to a tied game and 10 seconds left, they're the ones that know how to be on top by the time the buzzer goes off. So throughout this entire game, that is just the philosophy that I had in the back of my head. I was like, it's Kansas. They're going to do what they need to do to make sure that they have more points by the time the time is out. For sure. That did not happen. And that is truly shocking to me. And obviously that can't happen every time. I mean, you look at Furman and uh, the team that they knocked up, Virginia. Virginia. You look at Furman and Virginia and Furman just happened to hit a real last second shot, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, kind of surprised Virginia in a true sense. So that happens once in a while, but this game throughout the whole game, I truly, truly believed that Kansas was going to be able to, you know, do what they needed to do to actually win by the end of things. Even, even if when they were down, you know, with minutes left, I was like, now, now it's Kansas. They'll pull it off. We got two one seeds already out. We're not even at the sweet 16 yet. And two one seeds are gone. Who is doing this seeding? Because I don't think they did a very good job this year. I just think that's the beauty of March Madness. <laughs> it or not. Like any team, any day can be any team, any day. Um, but yeah, going on to what you said, like Kansas closing it out is they were winning. Uh <clears throat> and they, according to ESPN, their uh, game tracker had them at 68% with a minute 41 left because they were up 66 to 63. Mm. And so uh, Arkansas, just a nice little run at the end of the game where they kind of pulled it off. Um, I'm just that, that hurts even worse. Like thinking that Kansas, like you can see why I was calm. <laughs> yeah. Like Kansas was up with a minute. We're good, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Martian Madness, man. I can't beat it. Um, What are some of the games that you're interested to watch today? I know uh, by the time this comes out, it will be, you know, the games will be over. But what games are you interested in? Let's see. I am interested in – I'm interested in uh, Kentucky, Kansas State because, as you know, I had – Kentucky losing already, so I I want Kansas State to move on. I'm I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, Miami Indiana will be an interesting one. That's a four seed and a five seed. It's a Big Ten kind of game with Indiana being there. Um, I'm inter- I'm curious to see how Indiana holds up. Those two are probably my biggest ones that I'll be I'll be spotting. TCU Gonzaga. I'm. I don't know if I'll watch, watch, but I'm definitely going to be tuned in to the score a little bit of that one. But yeah, I'm, I'll say Kansas State, Kentucky, and Indiana and Miami are my big two that I'm probably going to truly sit down and power through. For sure. I'm going to watch uh, definitely Creighton versus Baylor. Um, absolutely like everybody knew that one was coming. Um, and then I'm really excited to see uh, Pitt versus Xavier. Uh, after like you know the upset with Iowa State and their playing game that Pitt had to go through, I want to see if they can keep this ball rolling. That would be a major upset today. If that would be huge. Pitt beat number three Xavier, but Xavier barely hang on, hung on by like the seat of the uh, seat of their pants, like against Kennesaw State. 
<clears throat> so I'm really hoping that uh, Pitt can just keep the magic alive. Keep like if they can like it because that's close to New Jersey, right? I mean, Pennsylvania is right next to New Jersey. Can they just get a little bit of that New Jersey magic and like pull off an upset against Xavier? That follows about the same logic as if Iowa plays in Des Moines, that's home, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, but no, again, of course, Fairleigh Dickinson is going to be a game that I circle. I feel like everybody oh, will definitely. Be Definitely hard part is, to keep an eye on. Yeah, hard part, that game starts at 7.45. Creighton starts at 7.10. Oh. I hate when that happens because then I'm just like – They need to play more games like in the morning. Like I feel like all morning I don't have anything to watch. And then yeah. like you get one game and then you have like a untimely break before the next one starts. They need to even out that schedule. There's like three or four games that – overlap each other in the evening I, I push some of those to the morning i'm bored i want to watch some basketball for sure i think a lot of it on sundays uh they do it for church purposes um i mean it was the same yesterday saturday the same thing like that's true you got one like 11 o'clock start game i was up at like nine on saturday just fucking twiddling my thumbs waiting for some fucking basketball to happen for sure um, well, they started at what 10 o'clock on Friday, they started pretty early on Friday morning. So, all right, maybe the weekdays are different, maybe it's just a weekend thing, but still don't understand that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, stay tuned, we'll talk more March Madness next time. Uh, I'm excited to see how the brackets go. I, in the group, the coaches group that we have. Um, I am currently in third place. The team, both teams that are above me have Virginia winning the championship and Purdue winning the championship. So I already got a leg up on them there. So that makes me happy. But, um, you want to talk NBA real quick? Sure. All right. So last we left you guys with is, uh, Avery's bucks played my Kings. Did not work out super great for the Kings. Unfortunately, I, I watched a little bit. On my phone, like I said, I was in Colorado at the time with my girlfriend. We were actually watching Outer Banks, and so I kind of had it on my phone to the side, giving it a little eyeball here and there. But uh, it was a pretty close game. I thought it was a decent game. Uh, the Kings were up at one point, I remember. I think when I first turned it on, the Kings were actually up, and I was kind of like, okay, come on, just hang in with it. Hang in with it. But by the time it was all said and done, the Bucks won 133 to 124. Uh, God, NBA is wild. Those scores are like doubled all the scores that we've been talking about with college right now. I that That's part of the reason I don't watch NBA too. I think for some reason, the score just starts to get too insane to me. I'm like, nah, that's too high. I can't do this. For sure. I mean, you think about it. They take the best out of college basketball, put them in the NBA. You're going to have that. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, the Bucks won. I get bragging rights for the year. Uh but uh, till we meet in the playoffs, we won't. Well, if we do meet, we're gonna meet in the championship. Exactly. Okay. Playoffs. I know what I, I, know what I said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, 
Other than that, man, uh, college basketball's kind of taking the front runner of everything else. I haven't watched many other Bucks games. Um, and the Bears' free agency moves has just been insane. So uh, I want to give a shout-out to Ryan Poles. Uh, he's done amazing. Uh, come on our pod. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> come on our pod. <laughs> we, get, we get a message tomorrow. Hey, so uh, you guys wanted to talk to me? <laughs> come on. I'll send you the link. <laughs> Um, That'd be awesome. But, oh, and our buddy, uh, Matt Eberflus. I hope he's doing well in Chicago. Uh, yeah, uh, we go way back for a long time now. But, uh, yeah, other than that. All right, guys. Well, it's been a good episode. Uh, come back here next week. We'll talk more March Madness for you. We'll talk some more of the free agent signings the Bears have had, some of the smaller ones. Um, like and subscribe on YouTube. Share us with a friend. Tell your friends about us. Hit the share button. You know, we're looking for some new followers. We actually have a TikTok now. If you guys haven't checked out our TikTok, go look at our TikTok. We've got some different lists that we've made. We've got a list of the top March Madness upsets. We got prospect lists for each position. It's great. Go check us out. Um, Avery? Okay, guys. I don't know what to say. I, I want to say go fairly Dickinson. Uh, go Creighton and...